Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to my studio. Welcome to the Cat Pick Fridays episode number seven, which is now a podcast as well. Yes, Cat Pick Fridays goes podcast. Don't worry, Cat Pick Fridays will stay on the YouTube as well. But I kind of noticed that instead of like when I was rewatching some of my episodes to kind of learn what I'm doing well and what I want to improve, I kind of noticed that most of the time I'm actually more like listening to it rather than watching it. And like going through different segments I've had, pretty much all of them don't really kind of have any visual things going on that you absolutely need to see them. I mean, sometimes I share some pictures and stuff like that, but none of that is like absolutely necessary. Like you can still go through the show without watching it at all. You can just listen to it. And I think Fridays are such days that a lot of us probably commute to our homes or like maybe you're a student and you go to your home place for the weekend and stuff like that. And podcasts are a great thing to listen to while you're commuting, for example, or like driving or cleaning up or anything you might be doing on your Fridays or during your weekend, that is. And yeah, to me, it just made a lot of sense. And I'm both excited to just start putting up more stuff on my podcast feed. By the way, you can find this episode by searching, you know, Spotify's Apple podcast, stuff like that. Just search for the Catpick Studios podcast. And that's where you can find all of the stuff. There's actually five Master the Basics episodes available already. And I just checked out the stats like after six months of not checking out anything Catpick Studios podcast related. There's actually like some listens to those podcasts, like 150 or something, which was surprising without me posting anything there for at least six months, maybe even more. So yeah, subscribe to the Catpick Studios podcast feed on any podcast platform you're using. And it's there from now on. And yeah, videos will still go up on YouTube as well. And I'm actually kind of developing this whole switching system I have going on here in my studio in a way which would hopefully me allow to actually do this live at some point. Like I'm working out all of the details with like videos and like all the like how to insert all the segment transitions and stuff like that to make the show flow well. So I'm going to practice this for a little while. And once I figure out all the things here and there, I might start doing this show live on Fridays. Uh, one thing to figure out actually is like, what's a good time to do that? And that's why I need you guys to let me know like what works for you. Because for me, realistically, it can be anything between like 8 a.m. GMT plus three time to 3 p.m. GMT plus three time. I hope I just didn't hit the microphone a couple of times. I might have because I want to, first of all, have a normal life and stop working on Fridays at around 4 p.m. my time. So that's one thing that I want to kind of set. And yeah, I can't do anything earlier than 8 a.m. That's also a thing, but I don't know. Right now I'm thinking like, uh, maybe 3 p.m. my time, something like that. Not sure, but I would like to have your input as well. So just search uh, GMT plus three on Google and it will display what that means in your local time. And let me know 
because uh, I want to do the live thing. It will be fun. We could do like the questions and answers or questions and comments. I'm forgetting the names of my segments. <laughs> we could actually do those live. How cool would that be? Instead of me like searching for comments on some of my videos, like commenting on your comments and stuff like that, we could do it live. That would be a lot of fun. I would love to do that instead of like interacting with you guys and you could be part of the show. So yeah, let me know. And I think now would be the time to jump to the random positive thing and let's see if I'll manage to actually do the transition properly. Let's give it a try. Yeah, wow, that is Well, that didn't go completely perfectly, but <laughs> almost. And the random positive thing of the week has to be the Acoustasonic release. I'm guessing a lot of you guys have already seen the video and you have probably seen in your YouTube feeds that a lot of people got the guitar, <laughs> like a lot. And I don't know, I, I found at least like 20 or 30 videos and this was the first time I've been part of as big of a launch as this. I have been part of the Hughes and Getting a Pedal Board Amp launch a year and a half ago, two years ago. I don't remember. Yeah, roughly a year and a half ago, I think. So, yeah, that's been the biggest launch by that time. But like now this has been the biggest launch, like working with Fender is kind of amazing, like <laughs> I'm still a relatively small channel and stuff like that, but it's cool to be able to do that. And like felt felt like they were excited to start working with me. So that was really cool. And yeah, if you got any questions about that guitar, let me know in YouTube comments or in any other comments. I'm not sure if you can comment on like Apple Podcasts or anything like that. But yeah, on YouTube, leave me a comment and ask me anything about the guitar. I might do like a Q&A video on YouTube or maybe like have a segment on the next Cat Pick Fridays episode about that guitar. If you got any questions, let me know. And the whole launch thing was kind of interesting. It's kind of cool to be part of such a big launch, but also it's like, I'm not sure if all of us releasing the videos exactly at the same time is a good thing for my channel or not. And I, first of all, I realized Acoustic Tonic is a bit more gimmicky, I guess. It's not like, hey, <clears throat> excuse me, hey, this is a new strat or some, something like that. Uh, it's uh, slightly different and a lot of people seem to have strong opinions about the guitar or they completely just ignore it. And I can understand both views on it as well and yeah it's not like a hit video in the sense like when i released it like everybody wants to see like if there's a new i don't know less paul or a strat or tell you anything like that people kind of go towards those videos but with this one i don't know not so much uh it was also interesting to see like <laughs> there was an embargo the videos could go live at 6 a.m. Pacific time. So for me, it was 3 p.m. My time and me and my friend Eirik, the living room GDMOs host, uh, we kind of checked and there were a few people who had released their videos like five hours before that. Some people went live for like an hour before the official embargo. There's this attitude of like, I want to be first. 
and it's kind of annoying, but I don't, I don't think it actually like matters that much, even if you go live first. And I've seen this same thing happen with like Walrus audio pedals, for example, like somebody just freaking releases it like an hour earlier than everyone else. And it's weird. Uh, also, what was interesting to see is like how many views different videos get. Uh, mine is actually doing relatively well compared to all of the videos I've been releasing lately. Like, again, I'm still in this weird trench views wise. I'm getting like uh, on average, I'm getting less views right now than I was getting like in November or December, for example. That's been continuing since January. Not sure why. Maybe because I took like a two two month break or something like that. But like it's doing pretty well. But then it's interesting to see like some of my friends uh, get very decent views. Some get like pretty mediocre views. And then there's this one guy. I'm not going to like name him. But he released like a, I don't know like less than three minute long like first look video and uh, it's not a bad video by no means like i like his style and that's why i follow him and stuff like that but like there isn't anything too exciting with that video but somehow he has like eighty thousand views with that video already and i don't know why <laughs> youtube's just so so weird and yeah somehow his video just completely took off and yeah happy for him and i'm happy that my video is doing pretty well and i could see it being like a long time thing where it just keeps getting more and more views and actually kind of realized that with that video like i did the thing where i kind of broke down the song but in a way where you could hear the isolated track let's see uh for example i was playing like a isolated like acoustic track with the acoustic sonic and then i would blend it into the mix and personally i actually really really like that it allows you not to only hear the track isolated but then i blend it in the mix and you can see how it works there like how i design the tracks and actually like tracked quite a lot of different tracks for that song like i didn't break down every single track from that song because there were so many to achieve that kind of big worshipy sound but also make it groove and stuff like that there's a lot of like little rhythm guitar tracks that uh, i just decided to leave out to keep the video relatively short but i think i'll be doing that more from now on like i'm already kind of transitioning to demonstrating gear from like a home studio perspective but i'm going to do even more with that and like in the sense that I will not only just play you the isolated track but actually show how it blends into the mix as well. I think it's interesting. I find it interesting. So I'm assuming some other people will find it interesting as well. So that's something I'm going to do. And you probably want to ask, okay, so what's my honest opinion about that guitar? And if I'm totally honest, I actually like it. It's weird. I think it's pretty expensive. I think like, well, at least like it's not affordable guitar and not everyone even can afford it. And if I'm totally honest, I don't know who are the people who buy it, but I can also see like that there's people who would absolutely fall in love with it. It's 
such a weird instrument as Eirik, the living room gear demos host, mentioned on his video. I think he made a great point that this could be a perfect acoustic guitar for those electric guitar players who don't usually like acoustic guitars. I mean, I started with an acoustic guitar and I'm really comfortable playing the acoustic guitar, but I can see that if you started electric guitar and you've been playing like, I don't know, some comfortable guitars like Ibanez's or something even more kind of comforting, not comforting, but like comfortable to play, like there's nothing in your way. When you get like a big bulky dreadnought in your lap, it's not the same anymore. It's a big guitar and you need to learn how to maneuver around it. So I could see like acoustic being a guitar they would be comfortable with because it feels like an electric guitar to play. That's the cool thing about it. It pretty much feels like an electric minus the strings because at least mine came with like, they feel like acoustic strings. And actually something I might want to do is to swap electric guitar strings on it and see how it sounds after that. That could be a fun test. But yeah, I think for those kind of people, it could be a big thing. Uh, though, again, it's pretty pricey but then again the made in us thing you can feel it's like really well-made instrument the padded gig bag uh, youtube viewers can see over there it's killer so i don't know some people would love it some people probably won't but that's my honest opinion about it it's good but definitely definitely not for everyone and yeah i think it's time to dive into the weekend watch next Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like you have anything else to do. Okay, that transition didn't go well either. <laughs> but yeah, I'm working on this. Uh, but yeah, this week's Weekend Watch is an interview between Pete Thorne and Richie Cotson. Uh, Richie Cotson of like... Actually, like, when I think about him, like, I know him as a player. And I know him as part of bunch of kind of super groups, but I'm not sure like what is he best known for. I just know that he has a fantastic voice. He's a ridiculously good guitar player. And if I'm honest, like if there was ever a singer who sounds like Chris Cornell, I think Richie is that. He has very similar kind of voice. Not exactly the same, but similar type of voice. And I loved him in the trio they had. Uh, was it? Uh, it was Mike Portnoy, him, and who was the third guy? Uh, not Tony Levin, like a bass player there as well. I'm forgetting who it was. And yeah, I loved the music and like his voice is just killer. And Python interviews him for good two hours and talks about all kinds of stuff, including Richie's album with Adrian Smith of Iron Maiden. I didn't know they made an album together. Actually checked a few of their songs after the, watching the interview. Really interesting stuff. And I'm going to put links below in the description and in the description of the podcast as well, if you want to check some of their songs. They're kind of, I don't know, good old rock with good singing, nice guitar lead stuff and stuff like that. Really cool to see like Adrian Smith do stuff like that and also i didn't know he sang like he has a good voice as well like richie has a very distinct voice but adrian's voice is nice as well he would easily lead a rock band as well with his voice didn't know that before because i don't i've seen iron man in live once 
And I don't remember anyone singing any harmonies, or maybe I'm forgetting because it was 10 years ago or so, so... But yeah, really, really highly recommended. That's a good, solid interview. Solid interview, I don't even know what it means, but it's a good, solid interview. In this week's Blood Files, we talk about my worst gig, and um, <laughs> the, it's worst because um, it was um, how how I would describe it. All right, let's start from the beginning. Last week I talked about my band Heart Song, and we thought with that band a little bit, and we also did like one of gigs here and there, and we went for a gig in this um, like restaurant slash bar slash cafe type of thing we had gig there before we had a good experience there and we went there as a trio that time like our band was actually like a five-piece band but this time we went there as a trio to just save costs and i don't i didn't think everyone just could make it that time so we drove there a uh, good two hours of driving then setting up sound checking for i don't know an hour or two probably this was like winter time as well so in finland that means snow like bad visibility so the drive itself was like exhausting already so we get there and we set up and the cool thing about that place was like it was a, a pretty like high quality restaurant and they allowed us to order anything from the menu so we got some good or actually like amazing food there uh, we ate and <laughs> I personally started to get kind of tired because like a lot of good food and then there was like an opening act for us and the place actually like is a small play venue like a small place but it was pretty packed like there was a solo act before us and he was good he was actually so good and so entertaining with his songs and his style that after he left, or like after he finished, most of the people left as well. And I think there was like two or three people who stayed for us. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of what makes it one of probably the worst gig I've been at. Because it was like the classic example of what can happen when you're a pretty known name band. Because yeah, opening act was great. And it took us a little while to set up after him. And when we started playing, two or three people were there. I appreciate them staying. Maybe they just didn't want to upset us. So they stayed until the end of our set. But it was kind of like you had to really like pull yourself together to be able to make it through the show. And I was still tired from all of the food. So I felt I played pretty poorly as well. And I was also like consciously thinking like during the set that, hey, it's not only that the people left, but also that we need to pack everything and drive through the freaking uh, like blizzard or something like that. And that particular route from that city to our city was also like vulnerable for all the DS during the road. And like it was scary to drive back because like, uh, you would see the kind of reflections from the eyes of the DS like like a half a second before they were like really really close to their car and like few of them were like super close when we drove by 
So it was not only like a depressing gig, but it was a dangerous drive back and my stomach was messed up as well during the travels and ah, all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's like my most uh, worst gig, or like my worst gig because of um, how like everything kind of worked together, like everybody left a lot of effort put into it. I was also feeling sick and like maybe there's like a worse gig somewhere in the past that I'm forgetting, but that's like one that I remember very vividly and especially remember how it felt <laughs> during that gig. So yeah, it's definitely not my like most fun memories out there. But yeah, let's talk about guitars next. <laughs> Last week we talked about the LTD, or like I think they're called ESP LTD now. Uh, we talked about the EC1000, which was like a made in Co Korea, um, kind of this Les Paul type of shape. Fantastic instrument. Those are really, really good guitars. I would even call them like professional level guitars. And I've actually seen a lot of people gig with those as well. And yeah. I was in my heavy metal phase and played that thing at churches and stuff. And I ended up selling it because I somehow threw a Finnish guitar forum. Or there's a Finnish musicians forum that's not as active anymore, but uh, roughly 10, 11 years ago, whenever this was. Uh, it was, I think it was in like 2010. I somehow got involved with a company called Atlas Guitars. And I think there's another Atlas Guitars nowadays, actually. Like, if you search for them, you can't find them anymore. The company kind of stopped working. And basically how it worked, it was like there was a luthier in Thailand. I think it was like a, the master luthier. And then I think a few of his sons were helping. And they were building these amazing, amazing guitars that then would be shipped to UK. And there was a guy in UK who would, like, do all the distribution and communication and stuff like that. And... Somehow I got involved with that company by building a website for them. I had uh, just, well, not just started my studies, but like I was still pretty early in my studies. And I basically got my first website gig, like website building gig for that company <laughs> before I like even knew how to build websites. So yeah, that's what happened. And uh, yeah. Uh, besides starting to build them a web website, which, by the way, took ages because I was learning how to build websites while building a website for the client, I didn't think he knew better. So he was like, he was completely fine with it taking so much time and I got paid very little money for it. And while that website project was still going on, I got a summer job at a graveyard. Uh, basically just cutting grass, taking care of the flowers and stuff like that. In my hometown, I went back to my hometown for the summer. And it actually paid pretty well. And with that money, I decided to buy one of their guitars, which really, really looked like PRS. And this was uh, one of the kind of pre-built models. You could also like do some custom orders with them. But this was like a pre-built model and it really really looked like a prs and it felt amazing to play this is probably the guitar i regret selling the most 
And I'm going to put links or like links to pictures in the description of the YouTube video and to the podcast as well if you want to check it out. Um, yeah, that thing looked amazing, played amazing. I recorded my first YouTube videos with it as well. There's one from 2009, I think, or 2010 or something like that, where I play like this guitar solo thing for the set guitar forum. So there's that. And then my first cover, the Crying by Joe Satriani, is also recorded with that guitar. There you can see it properly. Again, I'll put links below in the descriptions and things. And yeah, the guitar just sounded amazing. It played so well. And I would love, love, love to have it back. Absolutely no idea why I ended up selling it. Probably just blaming that the reason why I wasn't sounding as good as I wanted was because of the gear, not me. Uh, there's a strong history of me doing that many, many times and not learning from my mistakes. So yeah, that is the guitar I missed the most and I actually like ended up ordering a second guitar with, from that company as well at some point and stuff like that. But oh man, why did I have to be 20? and stupid and not think long term because I had an amazing instrument and unique instrument that, yeah, I wish I could have it back. But you know what it is. Uh, leave a comment me on YouTube. Like, what is the instrument you regret selling the most? We might actually like do a thing on the show here as well about that. I would love to hear your story as well. Leave a comment down below and we can discuss this more. But yeah. That is something I absolutely regret setting. Questions and comments. Pull Ninja comments on the Fender Acoustic Sonic Jazz Master video. I guess it's just not my stack of pancakes. I'd probably just go for a Varix for modeling guitar. Lots of people, more educated and experienced people than me, really like them, so they must have something I can see. That's a good point, like, as I mentioned in my honest opinion about the Acoustics New Jazz Master, it's definitely not for everyone, but again, I can see people absolutely falling in love with it, especially if you can afford it, like, why not? It's a fun, different instrument, and it did inspire me to play differently. I like that a lot, so yeah, makes a lot of sense. 64Soul comments on the new XJTC Drum at Loop Pro demo. This pedal is insanely difficult to work. You have to put hours into it to use all the functions fluently. Mm, I'm going to say yes and no in the sense that yes, it feels a bit overwhelming. By the way, if you want to check out the video, links below in the descriptions. And yeah, that looper is incredibly fun but uh, the learning curve like the initial learning curve is pretty steep and once you figure it out it's super intuitive to use so it's a great great pedal but yeah i could see like you being overwhelmed with it i was overwhelmed with it as well so i had to like do a bunch of testing with it like learn it and then i did the video and then suddenly it was a lot of fun fantastic pedal but yeah you need to learn to use it first Quicksilver on the previous Cat Pick Fridays episode where I talk about my Jazzmaster build. 
you reminded me of the Jazzmaster build from all that time ago. I thought you had already finished it, haha. <laughs> the one that needs more camera time is that black ES335 you also built, I believe. Looks like a Gibson Midtown and I dig it. And I already dislike black guitars because as lefty, that's all I usually find. First of all, I'm sorry, lefty, say you are discriminated, something like that, I don't know. Like, you have very few options, but unfortunately that's also the reality with lefty guitars. If you don't have people buying the guitars, it also doesn't make sense to build them. But yeah, that sucks. And yeah, thank you. The 335, the black one, uh, I'm going to put a link below in the description for... There's a video like called My Guitars where I talk about this guitar. Um, yeah, it was actually like heavily, heavily inspired by the Gibson Midtown, uh, which is like a, a 335, but like a flat top. And there's actually like a center block running through the whole guitar. So it's like hollow sides and it's like a somewhere in between like a 335 and a Les Paul. And I actually used to own a Gibson Midtown. And yeah, that's a teaser for <laughs> upcoming My Guitars section in some weeks. And when I sold that Midtown, or like I actually sold that Midtown because I really didn't like the neck profile on it. I just couldn't get used to it. And I just had finished my telly. So I decided, hey, how about I build a similar guitar like that? So I actually went online and there's no like official drawings or anything available for the Midtown Custom because it, it was quite a new thing at the time. We're talking about maybe 2012, 13, 14, 15, I don't know, somewhere like in that vicinity. Midtown had been out, like Midtown Custom had been out for like maybe a year or two at that point from Gibson that is. But then there was an article on uh, Music Radar, I think, where they described that the body size of the Midtown Custom was like three thirds of the like official 335, and then it was just flat. Or like there was some like percentage how much smaller it was. So what I did was go online, find official kind of drawings for ES335. Then opening Photoshop and actually scaled down the body size, like, like the body part of that guitar in Photoshop. And then had a friend print out the official drawings. He had a, like a bigger printer than you could do normally. And yeah, basically printed out like in real size, like or, to, or like one to one scale that guitar body drawing. And that's what we used at the guitar building course to design that body and it turned out well. I don't know if it's like 100% exactly the same size as the Gibson Midtown Custom, but it's close and it's one of my favorite guitars. I need to give it more playtime, I know. It looks great and unfortunately it's also like way less perfect than my telebuild. Uh, there's a lot more mistakes going on. And it's been through two or three fret sandings as well, because like it's a much more complex construction than a telly. So there were more mistakes and actually finished it in a shorter time as well. So yeah, it has required some like fine tuning after it's been completed, but now it plays great. It sounds great. You're right. I need to give it more airtime on the channel. So yeah. If you want to find out a bit more about the guitar, again, links below in the description. More draws. 
on the Acoustic Jazz Master video. A lovely song in the beginning. Thank you, Mo. I really appreciate it. I love writing songs and I love getting gear that inspires me to write stuff. Actually, the song wasn't written with the Acoustasonic. I have used that song in one other video about a year ago or so, but I kind of rearranged pretty much all the guitar parts minus the lead guitar and yeah, just made it sound better. I feel like my mixing is better as well on this one than on the previous version of the song. But yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And I think that wraps up the first Cat Pick Fridays episode that's also a podcast, though this is actually a seventh episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, please consider subscribing on the podcast side as well if you listen to podcasts and like podcasts. And if you're listening this on the Cat Pick Studios podcast, there's also a YouTube channel called Cat Pick Studios. You might like it. Check it out as well. And would like to know what you think about this arrangement. Does it work for you? Does it make sense? Are you enjoying it more on the video side or on the podcast side of things? Let me know in the comments down below. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I'm so used to the watching outro that I need to remember to add listening to it now as well. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. I shall see you next time.